Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and today we are here with Thomas Carter. Uh, Thomas is the beverage director and partner of the critically acclaimed restaurant Estella that uh, opened up pretty recently down on Houston Street, uh, quite close to uh, La Picha, where we're neighbors. Um, prior to that, he had been running the wine program at Blue Hill at Stone Barns, which I, I still tell everyone is the greatest restaurant I've ever been to, especially in the in the Thomas Carter years. Uh, Agreed. <laughs> and I uh, has, has quite a, an extensive uh, history in, in the restaurant industry. Um, uh, but this, uh, I, I'm super excited to have you on the show, Thomas. Uh, welcome. Thanks, man. Welcome. So tell us about the, uh, the opening of your, your new restaurant, Estella, what that process was like to, uh, to go from having this very uh, steady, very uh, 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 kind of high-end, very desirable job in, in the industry. I mean, to be the, the wine director at, at Blue Hill at Stone Barns, uh, incredible, to taking this huge risk. It's uh, pretty brave to, to venture out on your own and do that. What was that process like for you? Uh, it was a little insane, actually. I... Um <clears throat> I uh, I can't really gauge because in, within the month of opening the restaurant, I decided to move into the city and get married. So uh, I can't really gauge like the it was it wasn't you know it was a little surreal the whole process. You know, like uh, opening up a restaurant in Manhattan, as you as you could speak to this, is extremely um, taxing. Uh, but then you kind of like pile on top of like you know my my thankfully my wife planned the whole wedding because I I mean I was useless. And then moving into the city as well, so I could be closer to the restaurant. Yeah, but it was a pretty insane process. It was an amazing process, a huge learning experience, like personal learning experience and professional. Mm-hmm. It's huge. And in terms of the uh, the location, I think it's a it's an interesting location that that you've chosen. Um, there aren't uh, a ton of great restaurants over there, but it seems like there's uh, a a big hungry population that that would like to eat over there. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think there. I mean. I mean, there's in the vicinity. I think there are some really good restaurants. There's mm. some like really good staple restaurants. If you really look in like the perimeter, what do you like to eat there? Um, you know, I'm kind of a creature of habit. You know, for uh, you know, uh, I have to say like on lunchtime, like I try to get over to Balthazar if it's ever possible once a month. Um, your restaurant's not too far away. Lepicho's not far away. Uh, Pearl and Ash isn't far away. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a couple blocks away. Uh, Uncle Boone's is all really good. Those are all great. Uncle Boone's. I had a ridiculously good meal at Uncle Boone's. Yeah, they do. They do an amazing job there. Amazing, really good stuff. But um, yeah, there's some good stuff around there. And then the reason why we took the space, um, you know, it was the old knitting factory space, and before that, Nolita House. And on paper, I I just think that a second story, second story restaurant in an apartment building uh, on Houston to me is like all like negatives. But when I got in the space, you know, I'm, I, t- I have a tendency to go with my gut, which is kind of how I found, or actually how Ignacio and I found each other. Um, 
you know, I saw the space and I felt it and the energy was really good. You know, some places, as you know, in New York, you know, you have the fabled cursed spaces, you know, and there's, those are around the city. But when I got into the space, it had like really vibrant energy and it felt, uh, you felt very blanketed from the, from the busyness of Houston. Yeah. Uh, tell us about how you and Ignacio found each other. Uh, I heard it was through one of your purveyors. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. At the time there was this guy named John Magazino who's now working for Baldor and, um, John was a frequenter of, of Blue Hill and he, uh, he used to bring. He used to have this company called Promisi, who brought in like really good pasta. You know, you remember this company? Yeah, I I do remember it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he great. he he brought in like you know he had truffles. Like he had. He would I went to uh, uh, the old Dressler with John Magazino once. Uh, that place was great. Really? Yeah. Dressler. Yeah. It's crazy. Um. So you know, I, I became close with John, and then when I you know this guy Mark Connell who owned Bar Botanica below. He found this, you know, he, he brought me on because he used to frequent Blue Hill, and then I went to his coffee shop called Bluebird, which at the time was, I think, one of the best, you know, one of the five best coffee shops in the city. And um, and we were looking for a chef, so we, we kind of batted around some names. And then when I talked to John Magazino, because I know he's very well connected, and he's got a great palate, he's a great cook, um, he's like, you should talk to Ignacio on it. Like, I never even fathomed doing that. Like, I didn't, you know, he Ignacio was leaving uh, Isa. And then we met and we just all kind of clicked, you know, it was just like, it felt right, you know? And, um, we kind of started on a working relationship because him and I didn't have a prior friendship, which is, I, I think is good. Working with friends can be problematic, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, it was a, I guess a, a similar idea the way that we opened up, uh, Delanima, uh, uh, Gabe Thompson, who's, who's become a, a close friend over the years. Uh, uh, I, I met him, uh, because he was dating another one of my friends and she said that, Hey, you should, uh, you should look at Gabe to be the chef of your restaurant. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and now, you know, we're, we're partners and friends and, uh, uh, I think that, I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, um, when that, when that, when those kind of circumstances come together, you know, like for some reason I didn't have any hesitation on this project. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like, you know, my friends are like, you really need to think this through. I'm like, I'm not thinking about anything. Like it, when, like fortunately, you know, it was the same thing on Blue Hill. When I, I ate there, um, I was, uh, Assam at La Bernadette and, and this is right before Aldo, you know, I was really excited to Aldo to come on and, you know, to learn from like the best in the country, maybe the best in the, one of the best in the world. And as soon as I, I ate up a Blue Hill, like it, it, you know, the meal, the experience, everything crushed me, their philosophy, everything. And, uh, you know, I, 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 right there, I knew I had to be a part of it. And then I, I made a flippant remark to, to the GM, you know, if you ever need a wine director and we got in touch the next day and it was like a week process and I ended up buying a car and starting, you know, starting to work up there. So I felt the same kind of, um, same kind of connection with, you know, Ignacio's food is. You know, this is before I actually had his food, but just him as a person, um, you know, his food and him as a person were very, very connected. But, you know, his food is amazing. He's an amazing person. And the, the what, you know, to, to have this um, uh, connection and, and also, you know, the circumstances, I had to go with it. So we did. Yeah. And so going from uh, Blue Hill, where you had this just absolutely insane cellar in an old barn, it was deep and extensive. Amazing. It's truly like one of the great cellars I've ever, I've ever been to, uh, to having, to going to downtown Manhattan. <laughs> it's a very big change. And having to be very well edited. How did you uh, kind of distill that down and choose what were the wines that you were most excited about? Uh. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a paradigm flip. 
you know, my cellar was, it was, it was considered a really big apartment on anybody's front. Like in any, any city in the, in the world, it was like, I don't know, maybe it was, maybe it was 4,000 square feet. Wow. And how many, how many bottles was it? I don't, it was a lot. A lot. It was like, uh, inventory must have been a pain in the ass. Yeah. Cause for a while I was the only one doing it. It was insane. It was 50,000 something. It was just insane. It was an insane amount of work. Uh, which was a really good training ground. But to go downtown to having a fraction of that and having a, a list. When I first when I first opened up Estella, I wanted to do a list that was like about 150 selections. So that immediately for me, you know, at the time, it's so funny how you change your, your thought process like every day. And at the time for me, it was like, I'm like, okay, I'm only going to do European wine. So it's only going to be, you know, because I have an affinity for French and Italian wines. So, and then white's German, like, of course. So, you know, because I, I love German white wines. So, um, that were going to be all the wines that, that that's what was all going to be on the list. And then now I, 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 you know, I look at wine very much the same way that I look at music. You know, I like all genres of music when it's great. It's great. You know, I don't listen to a ton of country, but you know, Wailing Jen, Jennings, Mer- Merle Haggard, you know, like, you know, I don't listen to a ton of folk, but you know, Pete Siegel, like this is amazing stuff. So how could I disparage American wines, you know? So I'm starting to incorporate some producers like Arno, what's his name, Arno Roberts. And, mm-hmm. Arno Roberts, yeah. yeah. Uh, that I that I really that I really find to be quite compelling. I'm going to start incorporating those in the list as well. Yeah, and so the list when you first opened was all European, and now that there's going to be a little bit more American. Is that the idea? A little bit, yeah. And yeah. then in Europe is obviously you know quite quite large, but where where were your uh, where were your focuses, and what do you think kind of paired best with uh, with Ignacio's food? Um, you know, his food is super um, bold and market driven and bright, good acid, and uh, his food very much is. It's not built. I mean, this is from my perspective. It's not built in, you know, like, you know. I think when I was coming up and cooking. You know, at school, you know, when I went when I went to culinary school, you know, food was, you know, you're taught these mother sauces, and and food was very much built in the grounding of, you know, like balancing the fats, fatty sauces with acid and whatnot. And I think that's you're seeing a little bit of different, actually, quite a bit of different structure in food nowadays. And I think wine is following suit as well. But um, you don't see the fatty, fatty foods anymore with high acid. Now you just see the structure of food being um, being a little thinner and like you have all this flavor high acid leaner brighter dishes so wines that go with that are still wines that i I love you know northern italian wines um even like uh, mountainous regions uh, or like high altitude regions even in sicily like all these great uh etna wines go with this food really well satellite regions of a burgundy go really well even burgundies go really well it's just you know sometimes burgundy to drink really well you know you requires some some finances it's expensive but you know you can go into seventy of the bone, or uh, I love the Languedoc with the with the food there, or sherries, or 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 once again German whites go mm-hmm. extremely well. Yeah, one of the food. things I loved about your list at uh, I love about your list at Estella is that I think there are a lot of really good values. Um, there there are wines that can suit many different palates, but uh, but uh, that you know there's a lot of stuff that I want to drink, and usually when I go out to drink, I, I, I don't i'm not a big spender on wine yeah, so <laughs> i'm a cheapie yeah so so finding some great like 60 dollar bottles 50 to 70 dollar bottles like that 
that I, I think is very appreciated, especially with food that is so like, you know, it's it's really sophisticated. It's really pretty. It's really delicious food. So yeah. uh, I appreciate that about your list. Yeah, it was a it was a really interesting learning experience because you know going from you know being in Sam at uh, like like Ducastel or Bernadette and then Blue Hill, there's a certain um, bracket of wines that you're looking at. Although you're looking at all different wines, but here if I eliminate that you know that that very top tier wine and I'm not even looking at those wines anymore, I, I just don't have the budget for them. Um, but there are equally as exciting wines and very affordable. Which is it was a huge learning experience for me, you know, just w- seeing all these wines and not even tasting the, you know, wines that would cost me like between a hundred and three hundred dollars or fifty dollars and up. Now looking at all these wines that cost me significantly less, I, I, I just find the same, the same emotion is conveyed in these wines, which is which is extremely eye opening. Do you miss like? Yeah, I don't know how much you know. First Growth Bordeaux or Grand Cru Burgundy are opening up, but do you miss the uh, the opportunity to taste those, or do you feel like you had your your share and it'll it'll be a, a rare uh, but a more appreciated pleasure now? Uh, yeah, I, the like I, I think it's a, a little bit more rare and appreciated pleasure. I think yeah. you know, like uh, I, I don't miss it, um, but uh, it but I still you know I still remember great bottles and I still get a chance to drink some of them some you know here and there but it's not something i'm completely interested in anymore you know it's i'm not as like enthralled and as excited about opening up like or you know like selling big you know like really expensive burgundy which is you know it's it's all great i mean it's all good it just de- depends on the environment you know and for me it just doesn't have as much of a place you know yeah yeah i i hear you on that one uh as uh we we definitely try to focus on the more uh uh, more affordable wines, and uh, I just got back from the the Palais, and there was just, you know, it's insane, uh, insane. There was just so much great Burgundy around, and that's more Burgundy than I drink the entire rest of the year combined. Um, but 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 I hear you on that. We're actually going to take a quick commercial break. Um, we'll be back with more of Thomas Carter, the uh, partner and beverage director at Estella, uh, in just a short bit. Today's music is by The Hollows on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast regional forager from Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. 
Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. And in the drink with Thomas Carter of Estella. Now, Tom, you guys just recently launched uh, a new brunch. Um, mm. I am a huge fan of brunch. I, I, I love it. Really? Uh, one of the few <laughs> people in the restaurant industry who will admit to that out loud, I think. Uh, Blasphemy. Well, <laughs> uh, I, I am proud to say I freaking I love eggs. I love coffee. I love brunch cocktails. I love bacon. I love an egg. I mean, I love all that stuff, too. But, you know, like sometimes in the moment, it's a little... It's a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't like working brunch. Like, no one else likes working brunch. Um, or waiting in line for brunch. But but once I'm there, I'm, I'm a happy camper. But what uh, what are you guys doing for brunch? And uh, uh, even uh, more specifically for In the Drink, what, what are you drinking for brunch? Uh, so what are we doing for brunch? And then what are we drinking for brunch? Okay. So the brunch menu is pretty insane, um, as you would imagine. Uh, it doesn't do anything just like it's... Not to disparage silver dollar pancakes, but it's not really that kind of brunch. Um, there's a sandwich there that you know when I, I it, it it's like this uh, Danish pastry egg avocado. It, it's just like you it makes you want to do something besides just eat the sandwich. I don't know, it's insane. So like the food is, is is pretty amazing. I just think with brunch, I just think you should just skip Bloody Marys and go straight to champagne. I know, I know it's like an American favorite is the Bloody Mary. It, I mean, I, I think it's good. It's just something I've never really gotten into. But champagne, I just feel like champagne is a natural with brunch. Like, just skip everything else. Cocktails, too, of course. I think cocktails are great at brunch. But, you know, like a Ramos Fizz, I think like a classic. Mm-hmm. Like. I hear you. I, I, we do a, a great Bloody Mary contest. People, people uh, tend to come out and support it very strongly. Uh, but me, for brunch, I, I like sparkling wine if I'm going to be drinking yeah. alcohol. Uh, I feel like it's it 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 inspires hunger. It's uh, it's just awesome. It's just it's a, you know each you know I just find that each you know just like each alcohol has a different high or buzz, and each wine does too. You know if it's old, if it's young, depending on the region, red, white, champagne or sparkling wine definitely. And you know nowadays in the in the style of like sparkling wines, it's not like this as much of a cocktail as it used to be in the past. I mean because mm-hmm. you know champagne is a cocktail. You know it's like sugar you have sugar and and brandy or whatever it is in there anyway so it essentially is a cocktail but nowadays you're looking at sparkling and that's why you know people would get like headaches and like oh it goes straight to my head well you know nowadays they happen to be more wines with bubbles you know which is is great you know yeah much drier much more yeah. venuous uh site specific wines do you exactly. have a uh, a champagne that is kind of your house champagne i know there's so much great variety out there yeah yeah there is there's a ton we kind of the one that we do by the glass, we kind of uh, we kind of go in and out of different producers. But you know, I think we were doing one from LaSalle, which is out of IPO's book, mm-hmm. which is quite good. 
but actually i'm really you know for the price point and everything i'm really impressed by this one from the canary islands called bromejos and it's a malvasia it's obviously not a champagne but it's um really mineral laced and good drive it's great yeah for I love, brunch it like i love that wine too i mean i think a, a lot yeah, of the things that you uh when you when you have kind of those traditional method sparkling wines from other places other than champagne you miss out a lot of times on either the acidity or the minerality that you get yeah. in champagne but with the with the vermeil host it's got kind of all of that and then something else yeah, yeah totally it's because I, I just feel like when they do method champagne wines in a different region or country they're trying to do it in like the old, you know, grand style champagne house where these guys are doing it like they almost do it like Cedric Bouchard was like in in Canary Islands making champagne. Yeah, just know? lean, yeah, crisp. All right, so uh, I know you're a big music aficionado. I don't know if uh, lover. I don't know if aficionado is the is the right terminology, but I do like music. And uh, so you have a lot of vinyl at home. Um, I do. I've kind of slowed down. Um, because of work i just haven't had a chance to like sit down and listen but yeah i, I don't know i think i've amassed like not that much and you know considering some other collectors but like i don't know 1500 albums maybe a little bit more i, don't I know. think that for living in new york city i think that's pretty significant yeah my uh my wife is not not too, too pleased, pleased. With <laughs> <laughs> so we just did a uh, a winemaker dinner at Lartuzzi with bruno de Conchiles, who nice. is a big lover of uh, jazz and we paired uh, each course with a jazz wow. album. We did some Ella Fitzgerald with his Fiano Perella, Miles Davis with his wine Salim, which is inspired by Miles. Um, so what I would I like to do that. for you is to either mention some, well, mention some iconic wines. <laughs> and then try to do do a uh, music to a it? music to it. All and right. then I'll also mention some musicians and see if you could choose a wine that you'd like to... Uh, wow, really putting me on the spot. Here. All right. <laughs> Let's start. Let's start with some Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix, wow! So really cerebral, lots of drive. You know, I, I would say I would say Jimi would be like Cornelisian. You know, like really dense, packed, you know, like really strong riffs. Yeah, I would say Mount Etna, Frank Cornelisian. I could be wrong, but that, that sounds like a good match to me. That sounds like a good match. Uh, definitely. Uh uh, a little, a little funky and a little uh, off the, you know. Yeah. Can't can't keep it all in control. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's flip it over and let's do one of the greatest rieslings in the world, the closing human riesling from Alsace, dry, age worthy riesling. Wow, super linear, no mallow. Lots of drive. I don't know. That's a, that's a harder genre because you can go into a couple different or a harder wine because you can go, go into a couple different genre. But you could go like like jazz, like a Lee Morgan kind of style, like really driving trumpet. You could even go to you could even go to like uh, Miles Davis where you have that piercing, you know, like the city and that's kind of piercing. So is his his trumpet. Um, uh, you could go class. You know what? With that wine, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Arvo Pear, which is an Estonian uh, composer. Arvo Pear. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm going to look up Arvo Pear right after this show. <laughs> He's amazing. It's a little abstract, but um, he really like, it's a little ominous, but um, but really uplifting as well. Yeah. Oh. And now let's do something a little bit more contemporary than Jimi Hendrix. How about the Beastie Boys? Wow. <laughs> you know, we, we are... Is there we, any wine to go with the Beastie Boys? <laughs> well, see, this is kind of a loaded question because we both know Mike... 
and we know he likes wine, so I know what they drink. You know, I, I know they're big Burgundy buffs, but I don't feel like Burgundy encapsulates the Beastie Boys. I agree with you on that. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if wine wine encapsulates what their music is. I think it's something different. I feel like they're, you know, I think it's champagne. Well, if it's anything, it's got to be champagne. It's got to be champagne. Right. I agree. And it's not like one of the big, it's not like Krug. Maybe it's DP. Because Beastie Boys at this point are kind of a classic. Yeah. You know? Maybe it's, I mean, I think, I think, uh, I think the Beasties would all like Don Perignon. Don Perignon. I, I, I agree with you. Or maybe even like the eccentric like Bouchard you mentioned before, yeah, yeah. a little bit rebellious, a little bit off the. Yeah, totally. But he's had to fight for his right to party. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and now, how about um, the? Let's talk about uh, one of these uh, Sicilian wines that you, that you really like. A high altitude. Uh, let's go with Ariana Occhipinti Frappato. Wow, she's great. She's a great wine. Um, that's a hard one, Joe. It's <laughs> really hard. <laughs> I should have prepped you she's for this. Folk- <laughs> I don't know. She's kind of folky. There's such a purity and honesty to her wines, right? They're so they're so um, they're so focused, and especially under the natural blanket, they're so like they're so like void of of faults, you yeah. know. Something kind of folksy with a sweet, yeah, maybe, but voice. like really pure. I don't know. That's a hard one. That's a hard one for me because I don't listen to a ton of folk. Is I mean I should, but. I don't. It's definitely not Pete Seeger. I don't. I don't know, Joe. That's that's it's that's right. stumping me. Well, who do you think with that one? Maybe uh, Regina Spector. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't listen to enough of her music. Uh, <laughs> my producers are cracking up over that one. <laughs> so <we're>, we will <laughs> let's let's uh, let's let's post that on the on the Twitter and uh, see if anyone has any good. Ariana Okipinti for Pato and music pairings, yeah, and maybe we can maybe join a discussion later on today. Nice, uh, but thank you for playing along. That's that's been nice. uh, that's been really fun. Uh, so, what what plans do you guys have uh, coming up for the future? Uh, hopefully, keep the restaurant open. <laughs> that's uh, that's the primary future plan, um, and then I don't know. See what happens. You know, maybe another project. We'll see. You know, it's just I, I really, I really we both really want to make this place continually uh, moving forward and and great as great as we can you know yeah um well it is already uh great so i look forward to continuing to uh to try to uh to improve it which uh is hard to uh hard to imagine you guys have been doing killer job Uh, not only do i i love it but i've a, a ton of people i know in the industry have been saying great things uh you got alan richmond to write nice things about it and i didn't even know he still likes food so that is uh pretty impressive i've seen him eat like on four occasions i've actually seen him eat and he really likes wine. And he really likes wine, yeah. No, that's nice of you to say, especially when you're in it. And as you could probably attest to, all you see is the problems, you know? And you don't, like, I, 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 it's nice to hear other perceptions. Like, I, I feel like there's so much to work on every day. And still tightening the bolts so the wheels don't fall off, you know? But it's it's good to hear that it's being received. We're very lucky, I would say. And are you at a point now where you have a little bit more of a work-life balance? And you're able to cook and be at home with your wife a little bit more um yeah yes and no i just i i kind of find that once i you know like once i get to a certain level i feel like then i'm like adding more stuff on which is good it's just like it's kind of my nature um but no there's uh i wouldn't say there's more 
balance, but there's there's more room for me to fit things in that I still love. Like, you know, I, I would love to start listening to music again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like at, at my house, like, I, you know, be, and cooking, you know, it's, I think cooking at home is maybe one of the best things in the world. Yeah. And, uh, and last thing going, do you, uh, ever get a chance to go to, uh, art galleries? I know that you got your degree in art. Yeah. Um, is that something that, that features into your life in New York city at all? Well, you know, now that I don't have to, I have to, you know, spend so much time in the car going up to Blue Hill, it does allow me much more time to like, you know, in the middle of the day, I could, you know, hop over to Chelsea or go to David's Warner Gallery. And, you know, the great thing about this restaurant is like, you know, like all my heroes are coming into the restaurant. Like, you know, Chan Marshall from Cat Power came in twice this week with, with Mike D, you know, so it's like, you know, these are people that I've, you know, I've been listening to her albums for, for years. And like the, you know, the head of Matador Records comes in and like, you know, uh, different artists here and there come in, you know, and it's, uh, it's great. Uh, and yes, I can kind of get out and go, go to a show or something if I need to, or if I want to rather. Uh, Thomas, I feel like you are the ultimate Renaissance man. You have art, music, you, you've cooked at great restaurants, uh, wine director at Blue Hill Stone Mars and open up your own place. Uh, and, uh, Hopefully, uh, uh, you consider yourself a friend of mine as well, because I, I look at you Thanks, as a buddy. friend. Uh, so, uh, truly a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Joe. Thank, thank you so much. And uh, for uh, all of you listening, I definitely encourage you to uh, to check out Estella. I will be going in personally for brunch in the in the near future. Um, uh, I, I'm excited to check it out, but dinner is fantastic. I can vouch for that uh, myself. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>